from the corner of 16th and Peachtree Street, right next to the High Museum of Art in Midtown Atlanta. Welcome to the First Presbyterian Church. I'm Senior Pastor Tony Sundermeyer, and I want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. And I would invite you now to join us in the worship of God. Good morning. My name is Mark Downs. I'm an elder currently serving on session here at First Presbyterian Church of Atlanta. Would you all please join me in our call to worship? Come, Holy Spirit, ignite our hearts with joy and confidence. For God has done wondrous things for us. Come, Holy Spirit, fill us with the power of the rushing wind that we may faithfully serve you in all that we do. For Christ has called each of us and blessed us. Come, Holy Spirit, be with us today. Let's to boldly proclaim Christ risen. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. This is the Pentecost story, where the Holy Spirit descends and enters into the lives of the followers of Jesus, giving birth to the Christian church. I'll be reading from the Common English Bible translation, and you can follow along in your New Testament Bibles on page 111. Listen for how God may be speaking to you through God's holy word this morning. When Pentecost Day arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound from heaven, like the howling of a fierce wind, filled the entire house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be individual flames of fire alighting on each one of them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. There were pious Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. When they heard this sound, a crowd gathered. They were mystified because everyone heard them speaking in their native languages. They were surprised and amazed, saying, look, aren't all the people who are speaking Galileans? Every one of them. How then can each of us hear them speaking in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, as well as residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the regions of Libya bordering Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the mighty works of God in our own languages. They were all surprised and bewildered. Some asked each other, what does this mean? Others jeered at them, saying, they're full of the new wine. Peter stood with the other 11 apostles. He raised his voice and he declared, Judeans and everyone living in Jerusalem, know this, listen carefully to my words. These people aren't drunk as you suspect. After all, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. Rather, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young will see visions. Your elders will dream dreams. Even upon my servants, men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. 
I will cause wonders to occur in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and a cloud of smoke. The sun will be changed into darkness. The moon will be changed into blood before the great and spectacular day of the Lord comes. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Seven years ago, I led an intergenerational short-term mission trip from my church in Denver to a town in Guatemala called Chimaltenango. We partnered with a local church there in a village and helped with a water project and an education project. But more importantly, we built relationships with our sisters and brothers in Christ in that place. We shared meals together, we prayed together, and we worshiped together. Boy, did we ever worship together. If any of you have ever had the blessing of worshiping with our global partners in Christ in churches around the world, you know that worship there can be sometimes a mind-blowing and life-changing experience. Our worship service that particular Sunday lasted about four hours. I promise not to do that to you this morning. There was singing. There was dancing, there was raising of hands in the air, there was clapping, exuberantly praising God, there were brightly colored banners that were paraded up and down the aisles of the worship space, and of course, there was an altar call. Now, my Presbyterian mission team did a great job of participating and keeping up. Even though I know that many of us had never experienced something quite like this before, and that some of us might have even been a little bit uncomfortable. There was one song that kept circulating through the rotation in this spirit-filled worship service. We sang it often enough that even my team members who didn't speak Spanish and had never heard it before began to sing along. And it sounded a little bit something like this. El Espíritu de Dios está en este lugar. El Espíritu de Dios se mueve en este lugar. Está aquí para consolar, está aquí para liberar, está aquí para guiar, el Espíritu de Dios está aquí. Now translated, those lyrics read something like this. The Spirit of God is here in this place. The Spirit of God is moving in this place. It is here to comfort and console us. It is here to liberate and to guide us. The Spirit of God is here in this place. That night, after our worship service, I was debriefing with the team. I had one team member with me who had never traveled abroad before. He had to get a passport to go on this mission trip to Guatemala. And Ted spoke up, and, and you could tell he was holding back tears. He said, in this village of Chimaltenango, it may not seem like the people have much. They carry the scars of the civil war that killed many of their family members. And, and just ended 13 years ago. Many of them don't have safe drinking water. Many don't have electricity in their homes. They have little to no education, and there seems to be a scarcity of good-paying jobs. They just don't have much material stuff. But in the midst of all that, if you look a little deeper, the Spirit of God is clearly with them in their worship, in their community, 
and in their lives. It's just incredible, Ted said. And it was incredible. The Holy Spirit is in Chimaltenango, inhabiting the praises of God's people, bringing hope, consolation, healing, and freedom. People who have faced unspeakable tragedy because of the Guatemalan Civil War and the oppressive poverty were full of joy and hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This was a true Pentecost moment, a recognition of the bright fire of God's Holy Spirit in a very dark place. God was reaching out to and through these people through the power of the Holy Spirit with God's redemptive power. God was reaching out with care and compassion for those who had been beaten down by the world. God was reaching out through the power of the Holy Spirit, defending the poor, the vulnerable, and the oppressed. Through the Holy Spirit, God was at work, giving glimpses into God's kingdom to the people of Chimaltenango and to my short-term mission team that was there that week. Now, our text this morning talks about exactly that. It's a simultaneously engaging, bizarre, funny, and profound text. It startles us with a scene of almost unimaginable liveliness verging on chaos in the middle of a worship service. If you're a visual person, I would direct your gaze over to the middle stained glass window over here. That scene depicts, or that, that stained glass window depicts the scene of Pentecost, complete with the tongues of fire over the heads of the disciples. Now, if you're more of a tactile person, think about the feel of a mighty wind filling this space. Some translations of the Bible even refer to this powerful wind as a roaring mighty windstorm or a strong rushing blast of wind. If you're more of an audio learner, think about the cacophony of foreign languages being spoken, the guttural sounds of Hebrew mixing with the lilting sounds of Latin and Greek, the rapid fire of Persian mixing with the slow drawl of Aramaic, all of these languages blending together. But instead of just hearing noise, you clearly hear the message of God in your own native language. What a scene that must have been. Can you all imagine what would happen here in this space on a Sunday morning, if a strong washing wind blew through here and little flames descended down and parked over each of our heads like we see in the stained glass window, I suspect we might react a little bit like the crowd who rushed in on this scene, not believing what was really happening and, and even perhaps accusing those of us who were speaking in foreign languages of being drunk with the new wine as we read in the text. That sarcastic detail provides a little bit of humor to this scene, but it also shows a very understandable human reaction. This supernatural event of the Holy Spirit descending on the church is, is weird. People come in and they see crazy, mysterious things happening, and in their human way, they're trying to rationalize it. Oh, those people talking in funny voices, they must be drunk. And we here at First Presbyterian Church might call a congregational meeting together and appoint a committee to study the Holy Spirit. <laughs> but who among us, like Peter, would stand up, deny that we're drunk, and start to preach to the crowd? This is the story of Pentecost, the story of the Holy Spirit descending to dwell among us, sometimes referred to as the birth of the church. It's so important to us here in the Christian church that we celebrate it every year, just like Christmas and Easter. One scholar that I was reading while I was writing my sermon 
She wrote, Outside of the birth and passion narratives of the gospel, Acts 2 is perhaps one of the most familiar passages of Scripture to the church around the world. It's so important to us here at First Pres, we chose to depict it in the stained glass window. Imagine, with all of the stories in the Bible to choose from, Pentecost Sunday made the cut. Our forebears determined that this was an important story to depict. So it adorns that window right there. And if you look over that, you'll see the small scene at the bottom below the larger window is, uh, is before Christ ascended to heaven. He had told his disciples to remain in Jerusalem and wait. And you can see them there waiting, praying patiently for the Holy Spirit to come back. As the disciples waited, 40 days later, there was a great rustling like a strong wind, and the scene in the larger window shows the Holy Spirit coming into their lives and starting the church. Just as the Holy Spirit enters the life of every believer. Above that is a dove, another traditional biblical image that represents the Holy Spirit. Now, very interesting little historical side note. When this Pentecost stained glass window was being made, some of our church members went up to Philadelphia to take a look at it, including Elder Hoyt. And he said that the flames looked a little bit too much like goldfish. And he said he wasn't going to pay for it unless the artist fixed that. And then clearly the artist did, and we give thanks to God for that. And that's the Holy Spirit moving in this place. But what could all of this possibly mean for us today? How does this strange biblical story speak into our daily lives? We Presbyterians sometimes lovingly refer to ourselves as the frozen chosen. We are not people who typically get up and dance in the aisles during worship or speak in tongues. That might be something that our Pentecostal brothers and sisters do, but we, we like things done decently and in order. It's in our DNA as Presbyterians. It's even in our Constitution, which is called the Book of Order. So what do we do with this crazy Holy Spirit in our ordered lives? When I was learning about the Trinity in seminary, my theology professor said that we Presbyterians sometimes think of the Trinity as two men and a bird. We get God the Creator. We can wrap our minds around that. We address most of our prayers to God. We get Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our example, our friend, our advocate. But what do we do with the Holy Spirit, with, with the dove and, and the rushing winds and, and, and the tongues of fire? What relevance could this Pentecost story in the presence of the Holy Spirit have for us today and in this church? Well, I think that the Holy Spirit is alive and well here at First Presbyterian Church. As the lyrics that we sang in Guatemala go, the Spirit of God is moving in this place it's here to comfort, console, and guide us. The Spirit of God is here. Even though the Spirit does not always manifest itself in these more physical ways like we read about in the book of Acts, or we might experience it worshiping with our global church partners, I think the Spirit of God is active in this congregation, personally in the lives of each of our members, and collectively in our life together as First Presbyterian Church of Atlanta. Now, for some perspective on why I think this, I would actually invite you to open up your hymnals. I'm not going to make you sing, I promise, but grab those new hymnals and turn to page 37. Not hymn number 37, but page 37 in the beginning. Here in our new hymnal, we have worship aids and statements of faith. 
Included is our Presbyterian brief statement of faith, which is actually one of my favorites from our Presbyterian Book of Confessions. I know that Joanna Adams, our former interim pastor, was on the committee that helped write this, and she used it a lot in worship. Now, if you have it, you can see the structure of the brief statement of faith. Section one there is the introduction. Section two talks about Jesus Christ, one person of the Trinity. Section three talks about God, the creator, the second person of the Trinity. And if you'll turn the page to section four, we get to the section that describes the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Y'all can keep your hymns open to that page as I walk through the Holy Spirit section of this brief statement of faith. These well-thought-out words help to articulate our unique, reformed, Presbyterian understanding of who the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit does, and what the Holy Spirit calls us to. First, we read the Holy Spirit is everywhere and is the giver and renewer of life. Next, we learn what the Holy Spirit does for us. It justifies us by grace through faith, and it sets us free to accept ourselves and to love God and love neighbor. And it brings us unity, binding us together as the church. Next, we learn about the timelessness of the Spirit. It's the same Spirit of the prophets and apostles that still speaks to us today. And we learn that that Spirit speaks to us through the Scripture, through preaching, through baptism, through Holy Communion, and through our call to all ministries of the church. Finally, we learn that the Spirit gives us courage, courage to do the following things, to pray without ceasing, to witness among all peoples, to unmask idolatries in church and culture, to hear the voices of people long silenced, and to work with others for justice, freedom, and peace. Wow. Can we just take a moment to give thanks to God for the Holy Spirit and the presence of the Holy Spirit that I know is alive and well in the members and friends of First Presbyterian Church? Can I get a spirit-filled amen? Amen. Yes. What an incredible God we serve who is present with us everywhere, a spirit who is encouraging, empowering, and emboldening us to do God's work in the world. That, my friends, is the true cost of Pentecost. The apostles longed for God to return to their presence after Jesus ascended in Acts 1. They longed for God to come back, just like we long for the presence of God in our lives. And when the Spirit shows up, when God comes into our lives, it brings us great peace. But, but it also calls each of us to action. In this text and in the theology of Acts, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on the church is both the sign and the instrument of the launch of the church's mission into the world. And that mission, my friends, continues today. The Holy Spirit is poured out by God the Creator to empower us, the church, to advance Christ's mission in our local and global context. And it's clear to me that First Pres is a Spirit-filled community. The Holy Spirit has descended upon us and has enlightened and empowered us to be filled with the light of Christ and to be agents of reconciliation, of justice, of peace, and of love here on the corner of 16th and Peachtree, around the city of Atlanta, around our country, and around the world. Just take a look at the community ministries and worldwide mission work that we do that's listed on our bulletin each week. 
It's clear to me that the Spirit is present and at work in this place and among these people. And if you're feeling particularly moved by the Spirit, come talk to me or any one of your pastors after the service to learn about how you can get involved in this Spirit work of First Presbyterian Church of Atlanta. And this morning, this very morning, we commissioned our short-term mission teams to spread the love and light of Christ into Chicago, Jamaica, and to the ends of the earth. Each of us is empowered through the Holy Spirit to speak with an authentic voice and to go out into the world preaching and living the love of Jesus Christ. This Pentecost story challenges each of us to find the Spirit within us, to claim and to utilize our authentic voices, our gifts and skills, to love and to serve in the name of our God. So the next time you hear the word Pentecost, or you think about the Holy Spirit, know that the Spirit of God is alive and well and at work in this world, in this place, and in your lives. Sometimes that Spirit manifests itself as a mighty wind and flames and people speaking in tongues like our passage from the book of Acts. Sometimes that Spirit manifests itself in Spirit-filled worship services in contexts that may be materially poor but are rich in faith, hope, and love. And sometimes that Spirit manifests itself to give us courage to pray without ceasing, to witness among all peoples, and to work for justice, freedom, and peace like we do here at First Presbyterian Church day in and day out like our short-term mission teams will do as they go out into the world this summer to share the love and light of Christ with our sisters and brothers. Let us give thanks to God for God's steadfast presence with us through the Holy Spirit, and may we all have the courage and the humility to open our ears and our hearts to hear the Spirit when it speaks to us, to open our doors and our windows as the Spirit blows through our world and pushes us to new things, and to open our lives to heed the call of the Spirit today and every day. May it be so, and all God's people said, Amen.
My friends, as you enter a new week, may you experience God's presence through the power of the Holy Spirit. May you feel God pouring out the Holy Spirit over your heads and your thoughts, pouring out the Spirit over your hearts and feelings and emotions, pouring out the Spirit over your compassion for others, pouring out God's Holy Spirit over your hands and feet so that you can become the hands and feet of Christ in this world. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and bring you peace today and every day. Amen.